0: At a time of deep division in today's society, we must come together for humanity's sake. On Can We Talk 360, we strive to stimulate an authentic conversation on issues that affect all of us in an environment of tolerance. I'm Eugene Pettis, attorney and community servant. Tune into our discussion to foster a greater awareness of yourself and others let's discover how there is strength in our differences and an abundance of possibilities when we stand together as one humanity. Welcome to Can We Talk 360. I'm excited to uh, have the guest that I'll introduce in a moment for today's topic of the role of the media uh, in perpetuating racial, social, and political discord. Is the media reporting on... Are shaping our society. Uh, we have uh two really uh fine experts, one from social media and one from television media. Uh introducing uh first uh Tanya Schultz. Uh Tanya uh is the communications relations agency, no aging. Uh she's founder of Social Chats, a media leader. Uh she's been the pe- president the past president, and now the president again uh, of Association of Women in Communications in South Florida chapter. I think that's a reflection of her leadership that they continue to pull her back uh, for another term. Uh, She's been the woman of the year uh, chairperson. And in 2010, she launched a weekday internet radio show, Social Chats, that live stream on socialchats.net webpage, and the mission is gossip with a purpose. Uh, she has a very, very background and I think she's going to bring uh, a great perspective. She has a lot of presence on Twitter, uh, significant follows, followers uh, to seek her and hear her opinion. So we're looking forward to to, to learning more uh, from China. We also have uh, Eric uh, Yetzi, who's a reporter. You've seen him probably on uh, Local 10 News. Uh, He was so kind to literally run from the set uh, uh, that got off at 10 o'clock and to, you know, join us here. Uh, Eric, I've known Eric for some time. He's a great reporter. He's a great community servant. Uh, He began his career covering sports and craved a niche as a storyteller, gaining uh, behind the scenes access to athletes. Uh, He's a busy father of four, has won various awards, including an Emmy. As well as an Associated Press award, he's a really a, a, a great asset to our our, our community, uh, and I look forward to his uh, insightful uh, opinions on not just television media but also uh, media in general. So, Tony, let's get started. Uh, let's start with social media, which is so prevalent in our society today. Uh, do you know what do you believe the impact, if any? Uh, is of social media. Uh, what has, what social media has had on our societies, stereotyping, social economically, racially, and whatever other silos we have in society. What role do you believe social media has played uh, in that regard?
1: You played everything. I mean, I've, I've been in social media since 2007. I've literally watched it grow. And last year with Black Lives Matter, I mean, and also Asian Lives Matter, I noticed a lot of changes. And today I feel like I'm, I'm on Twitter, literally like 11 hours a day. I hate to like admit this to you guys, but um, this is uh, the, the new thing is social audio. It's not about, you know, uh, video or YouTube. Even YouTube is heading toward that. We're doing, we're sitting in Twitter spaces, having real conversation with real people, sharing their thoughts. And I feel that social media has changed the way people think, see. And I also believe that um, when I, I'm on social media, I'm on Twitter, or I'm listening to Facebook, and disclaimer, I'm not really on Facebook anymore since 2020. I'm more on Twitter because I feel like I'm getting real voice, real conversation, real people. Um, that I I, I have um, empathy for them. I hear a lot of stories, and I see a lot of people People that I, I don't, I don't think before social media would have gone where they are today. So that's my thoughts. I think social media has made a huge impact.
0: Good. The the um, Eric with regard to some of the stereotyping that we see, do you think that social media has has um, social media has uh, been the conduit to allow to fuel? more, st- you know, sometimes when people are behind uh, anonymous names, you know, behind the screen, if you will, uh, seem like sometimes we see the worst of people. Uh, uh, what role, if any, do you think social media has played in advancing stereotypes? Do you believe there's been advancements of stereotypes of of different communities, whether it's racial communities, whether it's social uh, economics, whether it's, you know, some other uh, silo that we have in our society. There's no question that social media is now the driving force
2: um, in, in good and bad ways. It's certainly, and as, as you can reference for being online that long, there is no end of, of the negative driving of stereotypes and the willing to engage in disingenuous conversation in the world of social media. And sometimes um, that drives too much of the conversation and drives too much of uh, coverage when it comes to a media perspective, because there's a lot of times in which uh, we will carry on conversations that started on social media. Um, and so in some ways that can be a negative uh, because there's it, it drives a lot of negativity in those back and forth. So those aren't always um, genuine, and genuine engagements between people. Sometimes those are people looking to make a point or looking to start something. In the same breath though, social media uh, has driven a lot of the social improvements and progress that we've seen certainly in the last couple of years. Um, I'm not convinced um, the post George Floyd protests and the changes through society um, and the growth of the Black Lives Matter concept, not necessarily the movement, but the concept, the belief that Black Lives Matter and certainly Asian Lives Matter as well as we've seen a lot of these driving conversations because they were put on social media. I'm not convinced it gets that kind of traction 20 years ago when there are, are much fewer outlets um, and opportunities for eyeballs to be on something like that. So it's, it's one of those blessing and a curse, devil and an angel sometimes. Um, it's a necessary part of life. Um, it can exist in negativity, but it also has incredible power to change the way we do things
0: in all kinds of ways. Right. Uh, and that leads me, uh, both Tanya and Eric, uh, you know, the, the good and the bad. Uh, we're always struggling with, with the freedom of speech, as well as when do you cross the line and you're a detriment to society. Um, uh that's an ongoing debate and and who knows how it's if it ever gets balanced it's it's a tough one what thoughts do you all have when you're looking at the good and the bad the misuses uh, how do we control that i know that congress is heavily involved in trying to have the 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 social media networks to patrol their platforms whether it's you know uh, twitter or or Facebook, or whichever, um, and 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 that's an ongoing challenge. We're how how do we balance controlling the bad and enhancing the good? Tanya, what's your thought?
1: Well, first, social media is a communications tool. When people start trying to make it more than that, it is. I feel like that's. I'm hoping that the future would say that this is a tool, just like your electric bill, your phone bill. I think that I think I so I so you understand where I'm going with this because social media should not should not be a platform where a lot of people are using it as well. It's a platform we can run ads, we can we can do this this and that. Yes, but if you really look at it, it's a communication tools. You're advertising on a communication tools, and that gives that gives me pause some days because you can create a good story and you can create a bad story. So. That's where, one of the number one thing I always tell people, make sure you have to understand this is a tool. It's not meant to be your life. And even though I'm on social chat, I, I have social chats as my brand. I've been, I'm the one, the first live streamer. I've been streaming since 2010. But I have become in part of this Twitter space community where we meet people from all over the world. We create content. We talk to each other. And when there's something bad happens, we call it out. So there are people out there that will call it out. So I feel that with the media, the offline media, I feel that they're important. They're the ones that most of the time starts the conversation, or they raise awareness, or they they're actually listening to what we're saying and they create the story. So that's where I, you know when I see Eric, I'm like, oh my god, I've seen him before. So <laughs> so I'm all like, oh my gosh. So at uh, an ungodly
2: hour of the morning, I'm sure.
1: I know, I know, but I've seen you before and I, I think I might follow your your uh, page on Facebook. But, um, and, and I think some people we follow, follow follow you. So um, so I, I think that the important, also the media is very important because without them, where does the conversation start? We can create the conversation, but how do we get the conversation broadcast further? I mean, on social media is great. It's through social audio. It don't matter if you have a million followers. I, I've, I've discovered this. A million followers does not count. Because a million followers that you don't talk to does not matter. The ones who are on social, uh, on Twitter spaces, on Clubhouse, they're actually hosting real room, having real conversation, real people coming in, and they never know who pops in. They could have an Elon Musk. They can have the founder of Twitter. But those are the influencers who are listening, are going, joining in, in the conversation. So social media is very powerful. But I think it's, it's the people need to be taught that it's a tool of communication.
0: Uh, Interesting, uh, Tanya, Eric, uh, Tanya was indicating sometimes social media tees up the issues and news media or print media picks it up and elevates it.
2: Happens all the time. Happens on an almost daily basis locally. And you multiply that through the markets that exist across the country and certainly the cities and media that exist around the world. It absolutely is a driver of conversation. Um, It highlights issues um, it expands and amplifies voices that a lot of times would have no other place to raise that point. And all of a sudden, um, when it's working at its most powerful, uh, you know, someone with very few followers can put something out there, either an idea or a video um, or an audio clip that can gain traction and suddenly become the driving conversation nationally for the day. So the, it, it has incredible power um, as that sort of tool to amplify conversation. I don't know how you regulate it. I don't. I don't know how um, how you get to the point where you police it outside of what some of the the ownership groups are trying to do now. Um, you know, you see Facebook and Twitter, not as much on Instagram, um, but certainly Facebook and Twitter. Uh, they're trying to stem the tide of misinformation that exists, that expands, that catches like wildfire. Uh, and I don't know what the next step is. You know, you want to make sure that this space exists. Right. so that um, conversations can flow and points can be made. Um, there's no question that some of it is absolutely vile. Uh, how that sort of thing is targeted outside of um, almost like community shaming. I mean, you know, I, I, sometimes I get a little frustrated with the overall expansion of the term cancel culture. And a lot of that it, it exists uh, from something that happened on social media. Someone posted something or liked something or tweeted, retweeted something. Um, uh, the reason that frustrates me is that sometimes if something is uh, is considered to be uh, unacceptable, there's just a natural consequence for that. So is the answer overall regulation or is the answer um, let the community police and decide what is is uh, is unacceptable outside of clear and blatant misinformation that catches fire? It's a great conversation. I don't know what the answer to it is, to be honest with you. Jim.
0: Yeah. And, and 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 I don't think anybody does. It's Hopefully, you know, through the conversation, I'm going to touch upon some of of that. Um, The news media, I know, uh, because I have my phone uh, and and I'm getting, you know, uh, text messages all day long from different news uh, sources. Uh, Newspaper print, you know, you get the newspaper in the morning and then they start taking one story and send you another one. Break another story out, send it to you. Um, you know, there's Twitter, there's, you know, what is it, 180 characters of Twitter. Do you think you can give an accurate news story with 180 characters? uh, And has that replaced the merit of traditional media, where it was a little more substantive and complete, for lack of a better word? So the answer, the, the first answer to the question is no, you can't
2: fully explore the entire context of a story in 180 characters. And the reason that um, that this touches a point with us is that this is a conversation that we have um, in the station between producers and my co-anchor um, all the time is, you know, we get a little bit more time than would equate to 180 characters. But for the most part, in the first 10 minutes of a newscast locally, you've been given eight to nine to 10 stories. That means, Outside of the big ones, which usually get about a minute and a half of coverage, I've got to explain um, you know, the merits of the booster shot or the process of withdrawal in Afghanistan or the uh, you know, any any sort of number of complicated topics within a time frame of 30 to 40 seconds. And that's generous. Context is hard in local in local news um, because there's so much that is happening and so much you want to deliver your audience. To your your audience, that's a conversation we have all the time. Um, We're not always built in local news for full context in a regular 30-minute newscast. And that can be a challenge sometimes because uh, you need, in a lot of these stories, the broader picture. Um, Sometimes our news stories are X happened to Y and so Z. But that's not always the case. It's not always that cut and dry. And it presents a real challenge for us, certainly in the world of social media, uh, and, and we're on online, where you can expand a little bit. Uh, but boiling a, a 500 to a thousand-word article on local10.com down into a 30 to 40-second, um, we call them VOs, voiceover uh, for the first block of the newscast is a challenge, and it's something that we deal with every day. Sounds like it. I'm Tell
1: gonna. You. So Twitter is 240 now. They gave us a little bit more letters. <laughs> they gave us a little bit more. There's no more. But um, they get, now with Twitter, um, I do Twitter threads. So if I have to interview someone and I want to talk about them, because you don't have to do so much, so you you post a tweet, and then under that, the comment is another tweet. And so it becomes a thread. And, and the Twitter, the way it shows it is when you do that, they show the whole thread. So you literally see someone's feed, and you can read everything they're saying. But the big thing now is I would love, Eric, to do this, and I'll help you do a Twitter space. Twitter spaces is where you need to go to, to continue your conversation, the stories that you feel that you need to be talked mm. about. And it will raise more awareness to the viewers. And also you'll have new followers and more of a conversation because in an audio space, um, now Twitter has done so much of that. You can have two co-hosts. You have two people can like man, this, man, the people know how many people are coming in. know exactly. And when, when I do my Twitter spaces, I, thank people for coming and I literally go down the list of all the attendees because I can screenshot it and I thank everyone and that's how I'm growing my followers that that quickly because the conversation is so we take what we read or we see on tv and the newspaper or the magazine we bring it to Twitter Spaces and then we have a conversation the just like free Britney Spears we sat on people's magazines Twitter Spaces um, if they held it for three hours, I think a thousand people would have stayed there, but you know, and we like book launches, anybody. So yes, the media has the opportunity to talk about it. They can create that headline, but the uh, social audio, the day of, so before 2020, we all were going strolling down our newsfeed and social media is all we see. We just see headlines, 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 and we'll make a little comment because you, you don't know who's behind that screen today. Social media is social audio. You pop in a conversation, and if you, like, and and the only way you would know that there's a Twitter space is the followers that you have. So if one of the followers that follows you or you follow them is on a Twitter space, you would see it on your, uh, it used to be a fleet, but now it's called the space bar. But you would see all these people's conversations. So you can pop in, be a listener. You don't even need to say anything, but if you wanted to talk, you can request. And then Twitter hosts, like, three different education classes to teach you. So the conversation now I feel that the I hope that from after we do this podcast that that you both will carry it on to a social audio platform it's you know it might not have to be twitter it doesn't have, you know you can do clubhouse and all this but you can actually have the recording and you can share it out to your friends and followers and get other people's point of view straight from the, the horse's mouth as i call it it's
0: very, very interesting um i'm going to reflect my age here i remember a time where television went off after the 11 o'clock news. They said right, the Sledge right. of Allegiance and it it went to snow uh, on the screen. Now we have 24-hour cycles of news. I mean, right. you, you sit down, you listen to CNN, you know, one after another, talking about the exact same topics from a different twist, a different angle, different right. guests. Uh Let me ask you this, um, and, and both of you can touch upon it. Does the 24-hour news cycle Contribute to what we now know as fake news? Um, uh, uh, is it the sensationalism before accuracy? Uh, you know, is it, you know, with branding, certain news outlets brand themselves to this group, certain news outlets brand themselves over here. Um, uh, do we, do you think the 24 hour cycle of news is too much? Uh, it's a lot of space to fill with this, you know, there's only so many events happen. Uh, and and when we try to cover a 24-hour cycle, um, it, 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 is there some there's some good in it? Obviously, is there also some some bad? It creates a lot of challenges, and it's a
2: challenge to um, sometimes differentiate what is opinion versus what is reporting. And so, certainly, when you have that much time to fill, um, you know, speaking to some of the 24-hour networks, CNN or Fox News or MSNBC. Uh, or some of these other uh, 24-hour news news networks, um, they may if there's an hour-long program, you may spend the first 15 minutes or so on the nuts and bolts, and then another 20 minutes on opinion. And a lot of times, that gets lost in translation for the casual viewer, and it becomes a a debate. Um, so it, it's it's a real good question. Um, you know, I think part of the challenge too is that within the existence of 24-hour coverage, you can go to a place and just hear what you want to hear, uh, no matter what side of the political spectrum you fall on. And so it eliminates a lot of the um, discomfort of the truth. And so, uh, you know, the truth can be uncomfortable no matter what your position is on an issue. But if you are able to exist in a space where they're just supporting your issue, it creates a lot of challenges and it certainly ruins the credibility of the facts. You know, um, fake news is something that we take personally. And I think to address it, you have to first check your own biases. You have to see how is this story that we're telling seen through my own eyes as a person, not just my own eyes as a journalist. And so, um, you know, part of the benefit of the accusation of fake news to me is that I hope, and I certainly know it has done this for us at Local 10, is forced us to re-examine how we're looking at some of these stories and making sure that we're taking a step back and trying to process as much as the overall picture as we can. Um, so, and it, I think it plays out, um, is that, you know, recent study, I think it was a, um, oh, I can't remember, it was a Pew study, I believe, that said that people trust local news much more than they trust national news or network news. And that's because at the end of the day, if there was a crime in your neighborhood or a fire in your neighborhood or something tragic that happened in your neighborhood, you know we're telling you exactly what's happening in your neighborhood. And so when we're able to touch base with people on something personal, then it leads to a greater sense of trustworthiness overall. Um, but some of that stuff gets dissolved and, and dissected as
0: you go to a 24 hour opinion-based coverage. And, and that's, a, that's well put. And I was going to say local news, um, I don't think is, is the issue. When you look at CNN, MSNBC, right. Fox News, Sometimes I go between. If there's something big that happens, you know, right society, right I, I go to you know one or the other, and it's amazing. They're talking about two different worlds. So it's yes, different, it's the take on it. it is so skewed. Um, I, I was laughing uh, about a week ago. I was listening to Wolf Blitzer, and he was teeing up a question for regarding Afghanistan, and he asked the question. But then he came back with his answer before he gave the guy a chance to right. to, to comment. He said, you, "You don't believe that, you know." It was almost like a lawyer yeah. in a courtroom leading, um, uh, and 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 he you know, probably unconsciously uh, wasn't just asking the question to educate, but again was advancing a thought that he had, and 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 that's more on the national side than it is on on, on local news. Uh, you know, this whole term fake news, which I really don't like. Uh, yeah. uh, but, but Can I share my news. thoughts on
1: that? Like, sure. I, I know a lot yeah. of people who do fake news. That's how they make their money, actually. Um, it's <laughs> online publishing. Um, yeah. What happened is when, when social media happens, all of a sudden, everybody with a camera, the smartphone after 2010 became a citizen journalist. But those journalists also sat behind, or, uh, a lot of them are very good at, typing. So to get more eyeballs or to get more people to click on their blog, they create these different types of headlines. And I remember listening to some people talking and they're like, okay, you can believe this guy is doing this is how he's making his money online. So a lot of time I feel when any news outlet, newspaper or any journalist, before they jump on a story, they need to take check, check their source and look at the writer. And 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 if if and look at the writer, not just looking at just not just read the story, read the writer. Like Find them in social media, double and triple check. Don't jump to the conclusion before you just start publishing and writing. And I think that's the problem we had. So Tony, on that
0: point, that's a good point. Sorry for interrupting you. How do you, I I hear you, but society is so, give me 30 seconds uh, summary of what it's about, which makes (laughs) society more gullible to the person that's manipulating the facts you know, they're accepting facts that they don't want to spend time researching. They don't want to go into the background of it. They don't have time for it. So, for whatever reason, they're drawn to what this individual, whether they like the way the individual looks, whether they like what the individual is saying, it feeds into their personal biases or interests or beliefs, whatever, you know, whatever it is, you know, and, and how do we protect The most vulnerable because I hear you do your research but we have some parts of our community that are not that sophisticated that will not research they swallow it whole how how do
1: we handle that that's why I'm saying that I feel that it starts with the media I feel I start with the newspaper the, the magazine the reporters the journalists and also it should be taught in school. I should, the social media wasn't taught when I, I joined. When I was, People laughed at me when I, I said social media is going to be the, the key to speaking and talking and everyone's going to be using this. And this was in 2007. People thought I was in that case. Like, this is not going to happen, but it did. And I feel like education is the key. The children should be taught in school what they're doing online. There should be a, some type of a course that children should be taught. The, the media, the news outlet should maybe come up with a stamp to say it's been verified. I mean, just so that you verify the story before you jump to the conclusion because the media is we are changing the way we see we look it starts with the media sometimes it starts with the social media conversation but the media is the one that has the web and i always believe when, when i look for news stories i always look at the local news first it's great to see the, the cnn fox news all that stuff yeah it's great i check their story but i always look at the local stories first i double and triple check and then i look at twitter I double and triple check. By the time, and I do it so quickly, by the time I even talk about it, no one's ever know about it. And and I know when I talk about something, I double and triple check my stories because I, I don't wanna be one of those, I'm not here, I'm on social media, I make money based on, I work with doctors, so I make money on branding for my clients, but it has to just the facts. I remember the old days in, in journalism, it's like, just the facts, ma'am, just the facts. Well, we need to bring that, back that story, bring back that conversation again. Just the facts, because I feel like you know when you start putting opinion as real facts, that's when it's the confusion is done. And and to answer your question about the 24 hours hour um, television constantly, I don't watch regular TV anymore. I get I consume my information on streaming. So I stream all my stuff. I get my information, but before I say anything, I double and triple check the facts. And I right. think education is the key. Education and stamping. I think the news outlet everybody just say we've verified this. Eric, how do we achieve
0: that education
2: of society? Boy, I, it, it's, a, it's a really good question. Um, it's, it's social media and what you choose to consume is so individualized. I think it's hard to, um, and then frankly, people are so invested and entrenched in some of their own biases, certainly with the news that they consume, that I'm not sure that an overall verification would be effective just because I think there's a certain segment the population, which is a higher percentage than I think a lot of us thought it would be, that would just maintain that that's not true. You know, I get emails, our station gets emails on a daily basis in reaction to something that we have covered with a link to a story that is a website that is just not true. Um, You know, and the link, the the writer is asking us, why aren't we reporting these facts? Well, because they're not facts. Um, And so I think for, you know, I think most news outlets Um, go in with the idea of facts will run the day and will run the story. And so I I do think that is still at the heart of of almost all the journalists I know, certainly all the journalists I know go into every story with the facts in mind. Um, But, you know, those things get dissected and discussed, um, you know, and once you enter that sort of social media space, uh, and, and then you know it, it becomes a challenge, really, to, to rein it in. Not from a how we're covering it perspective or how we're reporting it perspective, but from how that's digested. So how do you how do you fix it? I really think it has to be um, it has to be an individualized basis. I think you know the people who, uh, if you have someone in your life who is consuming something that is just not true, that's a conversation you're going to have to to hammer down on and the difficult conversation you're going to have to have. I think all of us have um, now in the last couple of years seen someone uh, that we thought we knew, that we thought had a different perspective on something or not. And we've had to say, hey, this isn't what you think it is, or this is right. not the story you perpetuated. And those are just difficult conversations that we're all going to have to have. You know, some, sometimes, and, and, and Tanya can certainly um, uh, double down on this, is that sometimes the benefit of social media is that the interaction is not face-to-face, is right. that, you know, you can say something or share something and not really face a consequence for it um, because it's a social space a social space, and that's a relative stranger. Uh, we gotta do a better job of breaking down those barriers and, and going to the people that we know uh, in our lives who may be falling for some of the stuff and saying, hey, I love you, but this is just not true. And these are the facts.
0: What best practices Eric, do you um, believe are out there? Because I've read stories, I mean, uh, uh, I've read articles where the impact in the um, with vulnerable citizens, elderly, racial minorities, um, uh, social economic certain classes um, are more susceptible to 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 this impact than more educated individuals that can discern fact from fake. Uh, how do we not leave out? A huge swath of our society, uh, and allowed them to be misguided uh, by fake news. Boy, that's a really good question. Um,
2: I don't know. You know, as someone who who makes it a priority to double and triple check just about everything I say on the air to make sure that the facts are to the best of of, of my knowledge, um, it. it I don't know how to convince someone sometimes who is decided that they're going to exist in this other realm of information. It's a really, really good question, and something that um, that this generation, my generation, uh, the generations to come, are going to have to try and figure out and face is what's going to be this the gold standard, um, and what's going to be uh, the torchbearer for making sure that you know uh, literacy, a social media literacy. Is complete. And I think, I, I, to be honest with you, I think Tommy hit it earlier. You gotta teach it kind of like financial literacy, which we don't teach nearly enough of in school. Um, you gotta teach social media literacy almost on a regular basis to make sure that, that those conversations are being held and that people at least are, are aware to the reality of the fake that's out there. Because as technology gets more advanced, um, the, the ability to create fake content uh, that, that masks itself as a real happening or news is just going to get easier.
0: Uh, Tanya, did you want to comment on that?
1: No I guess like I I, it all starts at home and it all starts with the schools and I feel that you know we if we're restructuring how we are uh, educating our children we want to give everyone a, a, a seat at a table right We want to give everyone the opportunity and because of social media I'm I'm in, I'm in like in awe with the nft the cryptocurrency the big yeah. very much involved in this you're watching people who didn't have nothing. And because we have this today, we have a we'll walk around with a computer. Everybody Most people have that and their their ability to, to search and, and use it. And, but I feel that it needs to be taught in school, like it, even in elementary school, like in fifth, sixth, starting. I just talking a little bit about it because, you know, when I got on social media, again, I said no one believed in it. My, my kid at the time, he was in junior high, then he went to high school and. He didn't know what I was talking about. He's like, "Who are these people you call your friends, Mom?" And I'm like, "I don't know, but these are my friends, my digital friends." (laughs) So he took his SAT score. You know, he took his exam. He said, "Mom, they actually asked about social media," and he goes, "We weren't taught this in school." But he goes, "I was the only one in my class that knew what I was talking about." I say, "See, thank goodness you listened to me." But that's the thing: we we do not we're giving children these uh, these incredible computer. Yes. And we're like, "Here you go, darling." Have a good day. Go to school with it. But We're not teaching them how to use it properly, and I think it starts at home and at school. And I think that's where we can do that. And even the elderly, we can have classes for the elderly how to use how to use Facebook properly, how to use this tool that you got. You know, when you like, I would never. When my mother-in-law was still alive, I would never have given her a smartphone. I would never let her go on the internet either, because you know she wasn't. She had early signs of dementia. We did not know that. And she did some crazy stuff, so I think people need to be, you know, this is just, it's, it's a tool, it's a phone call, it's your phone, but you are walking around with a computer, you walk around with all these apps that can do everything. So I think education and re-education is the
0: key.
1: I, I
2: retweet Tanya on all of that, especially the parent part. I mean, look, uh, you got to be able to say no. When your kid wants the new phone, when your kid wants to jump on a social media platform, when they don't want you to pay attention to what's going on, you gotta you gotta be engaged and involved. You gotta know what conversations they're having. You gotta know what they are consuming. Um, you gotta start building those trends and those tendencies and those habits in them as early as possible before you put this in their hand. And they're not gonna like it. Trust me, I have a 13 year old who doesn't <laughs> like the rules. He doesn't like the restrictions. He doesn't like the time that he's allowed to be on the phone. He wants more access. And the answer is no, until you have consistently demonstrated that you have an understanding of what's happening out there. And that is not a knock on the kid. That's not a knock on him as irresponsible or, or, well, you know, most kids are a little mature, you know, but it's not a responsibility. It is not a intelligence. It is strictly an experience then. You know, if you're going to navigate through the world of social media, certainly, Um, you need a lot more experience on the pitfalls and what's out there and on, and certainly it's a whole another conversation on how what you consume impacts you and your growth. You know, kids struggle with self-esteem issues much more if they're consuming Instagram and TikTok and a lot of the stuff on a daily basis. Yes, it has benefits and it keeps them engaged and in conversations but man, you can't just hand them this and walk away and say good luck because it's
0: it's a real problem.
2: So so like a lot of things, it starts with parenting at home.
0: Right, right, no, that's an excellent point. And, you know, uh, Tanya was talking about the computer. I remember I was representing Dr. Snipes back in 2018. And uh, one of the challenges I I observed firsthand is there are no uh, media credentials anymore. The, the legitimate media has their credentials, but at the press conferences there were mom and pops in the front row with their camera screaming out absurdities. just stuff you would never see uh, in, in, in in the previous decades of, of our society. But now because they have a camera, they think they're they're as legitimate as you know channel 10 uh uh or any other channel and and they're allowed in these rooms and it's hard to keep them out uh uh, in in many instances and you know that's just another challenge of these smartphones video acting on video and the social media to post it you know and 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 another question i wanted to touch upon is the race to be first You, you know does does the race to get the story out there impact our accuracy and a lot of the checkpoints that both of you have said, I check my sources, I do it, you know, time and time again, but you also want to get out there and, 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 and be first. How, how
1: do we balance that? Well, I, I'm always trying to get the first toy on the block as I tell people. So guess what? In 20, at the end of 2021, we're going to get these incredible smart AR glasses. That's going to be able to let us record Distributed to our social network and once just put our glasses on, boom, we're we're there. So the first is always gonna be the problem because whoever has like the quickest, the fastest internet, the, the coolest toy, as I call them. So you can't. You just have to be careful on what you say and do and double and triple check yourself. Because so the future is gonna be with people walking around with glasses that you think is normal glasses, but they're recording you. Yeah. And now, guess what? They have these, these, these uh, filters that can take your, they have one with Tom Cruise, where they can pretend to be you and have your voice and everything. So you can't contain, and you can't control technology. Technology is gonna grow, but you have gotta be smart and you gotta teach your children and your parents on what not to do, because you can't, you just you know, don't do crazy stuff in public, watch who you talk to, don't, I mean, it's, it's just, it's hard to, it's horrible to say that, but by 2021, at the end of 2021, you're gonna see a lot of smart glasses and people being walking around recording people without them knowing it. And then they're able to also upload an image of that person and be able to give their point of view in that person's tone and voice.
0: So, yeah, so I don't
1: scare you about that, by the way. <laughs> no, it, it, it is she, but
2: she, she, She's right. I, but I think the challenge for a journalist is the, with the existence of that technology and that content is, is up to us um, as journalists to say, is this what it purports itself? to be. Is this true? Is this real? And the race to be first is a very real thing. But I can't think of a scenario um, in the six or seven years I've worked here at Local 10, where we let the race to be first cloud the truth of the matter. And so that's a hard thing to do. And that just means they're pressing you harder and harder and harder to make sure that your sources are good. There's been several big stories that we've done in which we were on live coverage of in which I would get messages from sources um, uh, with key details that we just wouldn't report yet. I knew they were right, and I knew they were true. But the journalist in you has that, I need to get another source on this. I need a second and a third. And, and you have to be willing to respect that process. Um, I don't mind not getting that kind of a story first if I know I'm right. You know, There's no benefit to me in getting it first and not having it or saying something that you're not 100% sure of. And so, um, yeah, there are plenty of times where I knew something but didn't report it and wouldn't report it because I needed to, another source on it. And that is just good old fashioned discipline um, and fighting the temptation to just press tweets or just say the thing um, to be first. Because at the end of the day, I have to be credible. You know, you have to know that red is red if I say it's red. And if I'm not 100% sure, even if I know it's red, um, it hurts me in the long run, you know, and you do damage to not only your career, but certainly to the idea and the integrity of
0: giving people what they need to know is true. You know, it used to be a time where if there was a video, uh, school was out. Now, there could be a video and people people say, don't believe that. Believe what I'm telling you. Uh, it's amazing how we've shift so- we shifted in society um, uh, with 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 a lot of this technology. And you know, real
2: quick though, but on that point, can I can I just because Brilliant. I think I, th- I think this is key though is that um, with that advancement of technology and with the push to be first, you also have to be able to say, "I screwed that up. We were wrong." And the best one of the best ways I think to fight fake news is to have the integrity to say, we were wrong on this, or we need to apologize or update this. You have to say, we thought this was this, but now there's more context. There's more details and we were wrong about this part of it. I think that plays a big part in people's willingness to trust you. I think anybody expects you to be perfect all the time, but I think we all know that if someone pretends to be perfect all the time and never acknowledges when they're not, there's a problem. And so the fight to be first and the push to be first and the idea of fighting fake news can really, I think, um, be tempered a little bit uh, by the willingness to say, if you make a mistake, we made a mistake or we're not going to make that one again.
0: Yeah. And, and and I think the ethical standard, Eric, that you and Local 10 and, 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 and some other uh, local networks achieve uh, is admirable. I think it's it's, it's really safeguarding the integrity of, of our information, where I see us being most vulnerable is the millions and tens of millions of people that are on social media that don't have those safeguards and they may see that before they see your morning news or you know the six o'clock news. they're they're reading it all day long so they they've come to their conclusion sometime before the the source of integrity gets to speak on it. They've already you know gotten an impression it's like a jury, study where that first impression oftentimes is the last impression they're gonna they're gonna find a way to stay hooked on that conclusion they first reached it's hard to a people you know uh and 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 so when they've been uh, uh flooded with the misinformation that's so easy on social media whether it's for money whether it's for political strategy uh whatever it may be it's so difficult for them to move off of that, to come to an in- source of integrity like you and listen to your fact-checked uh, presentation and move. Uh, does it happen? Absolutely. But so many people have allowed themselves to rely on the social media news and that's it. Yeah. So uh,
2: lie? lie gets halfway around the world before the truth gets out of bed is that what they say? yeah not, and it, and I've not heard
0: true. that but that's that it's true
2: And Tony certainly knows is that sometimes a tweet that goes viral will get a fraction will get 10 20 30 100 times more traction than the correction that's true and that that's yeah. a problem.
0: It's the old in the media you know you got you you, you, you have the, the, the lie or the mistruth on the front page when it's a hot story. But when it comes out as that was wrong, it's on the back page and nobody looks at it. You know, it's the the, the the harm. But that's interesting, and we're in an evolving period where these will be conversations we'll have for years to come, and it will be interesting to see where where we go. Uh, let me. We touched upon Black Lives Matter uh, a little earlier. Uh, uh, it was commented that social media played a major role uh, in 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 the, in in understanding the principles behind uh, uh, the Black Lives Matter. Uh, I wanted to talk to you about how media, and again, it's depending on which channel you're on, how media has treated and interpreted Black Lives Matter versus the insurrection or the Proud Boys. Um, uh, how, how, How so much of the division in society is from how things are characterized. Uh, I was looking at uh, uh, Malice in the Palace on Netflix. It's about uh, yeah. Detroit and Indiana. And I didn't have anything to do this past week. And I looked at it and I remember it happened. But one thing that caught my eye that I did not remember from the real time observation was how every single news outlet cause called the players, the NBA players thugs, you know, bums. It was so negative. And I'm not, you know, the behavior of going into the stands obviously was wrong. But there was so much news coverage on the predominantly black uh NBA as thugs. Um and no early on, no discussion on the on the guy who threw the beer from the stands who got it started. You know, and, and it, it, it was a prosecutor uh, who looked at just hundreds and hundreds of hours of video footage from all the cameras who went back to the beginning and said, Green was the gentleman's name, a white male. He's the one that started this. and 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 he's the one that's most culpable. So I go back to how do we control, how do we keep media from shaping, you know, uh, some of the old implicit bias that 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 uh, that we have, and we all have certain biases. Uh, we got to work to control that and not let it influence us. But how do we not use the media for shaping that type of story in such a negative sense, as opposed to looking at the whole picture?
2: Well, it's good. well I, first I think representation in media matters. Um, you know, the person who tells those stories and who is responsible for um, delivering the the nuts and bolts of what happened, um, I think that person is a more diverse body now than it was when the Malice of the Palace happened. I remember all that. Um, you know, and I, I think of instances in the last couple of years, and they have certainly blown up, blown up on social media too, in which fans have thrown things at players. Now players didn't go into stands, but players reacted, but now it's much more overwhelmingly negative on the fan that creates a problem. I think in some of these instances, and I think social media has helped tear down a lot of that space um, because people can be more connected to the players, uh, especially, Um, uh, I think some of that has shifted, Um, but Overall, and I got a lot of thoughts on this um, overall, because these are conversations that, again, we have on a regular basis in our morning show. Um, Just overall, how are on a daily basis, we telling the story without reinforcing stereotypes. We can say that something happened, that someone is a suspect without um, making broad accusations. For example, when we do, um, police are looking for a suspect, we we don't say race. We don't say that police are looking for a white male or a black male. We just say police are looking for a male age five, nine with brown hair and black eyes and maybe or brown eyes and maybe they have a tattoo. Those are the things that differentiate. Those are the small things uh, that we do to reduce the overall bias and stereotype. We have the conversation quite a bit about um, how are we covering juvenile offenders, you know uh, you know um, and how are we covering communities? I think from a local news perspective, uh, you have to, cover a community more than just when there's an issue, more than just when there's a crime in that neighborhood. You've gotta be present and telling the stories of those communities that aren't just the negative. you know. And that and it means more than just doing features on some of these communities, it just means regular good things that are happening, you make that, that a regular part of the news. And those are areas, small, but the snowball can roll downhill, that begin to shift perceptions from just a daily exposure process to how you're covering communities of color, how you're, you're covering uh, some minority communities who may feel like, hey, the only time you guys are ever here is when there's a crime. You know, when, when someone did something bad to somebody, that's the only time that, that we're ever here. Uh, we got to change that. I think we've done a pretty good job of that. We've certainly been intentional about it um, uh, in our coverage, in our, in our shows. But overall, that needs to be a broader part of the conversation on how you're just a regular part of covering a community, good and bad, but primarily good. Kids need to see, and the community needs to see, the regular good that happens in some of these communities because it happens quite frequently. We just got to make sure we're there to show up. As
0: you, as you know, and, and you both know, and we all observed it, uh, the protests around the world after George Floyd's death. I mean, it was one of the most moving things I had seen uh, in, in in my life that people from every background uh, uh, was speaking up for justice uh, in that. Uh, it's so easy to slip away from the true purpose of what people out there protesting and focus on the quote, looting, or you know somebody threw a rock or somebody did this. 99% of the people were peaceful, but what got focused, so much focus on certain networks was characterizing the folks and the movement as looters, as rioters, to the point where in the state of Florida, the governor DeSantis, does the bill, that's the riot act. You know, and 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 one of the most shocking things in there was if you are a if you if you're a car and there's a protest going on, and if you're in fear of your life, you can run people over. Just shocking um uh p- provision that got passed in the law. Now that invites, in my opinion, almost like the stand your ground stuff. I mean it invites people to shoot someone and say, you know, I was in fear of my life. And 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 how do you know how we characterize these things and the conversations we had on the media, uh, somehow we need to have some platforms to educate in addition to report. Because a lot of these things, when light is shined on them, uh, I believe it brings different perspectives, greater understanding, and as you say, creates an intentionality of how not to fall in these traps. Uh, You know, you know, one of the things is, you know, uh, Black Lives Matter were rioters, the Proud Boys were patriots. I heard that a million times. Uh, how do we avoid these types of uh, biased tags that we give? Uh, uh, I couldn't imagine Black Lives Matter scaling the walls of the Capitol. I I, I think it would have been a totally different outcome. Uh, I don't think anybody would have been calling them patriots. How do we have that conversation in society, honestly, for growth purposes?
1: It's, you know, the strangest thing with me is on social media. Um, we don't look, it's, our conversation is so, it's not about, you know, we know what's wrong, what's right in my little group. We don't have, a, uh, I don't know, I, I just, we don't have that conversation that that what you have to do with Eric. I think what you have to do with Eric, you have to like show the news, but what we bring together, we talk about it. We don't look at this person like, oh, he, he's a Black Lives Matter, oh, he's horrible, or he's, he's a proud boy, horrible. But well, maybe because most of my friends at Black Lives Matter and I don't like I don't hear like I don't pay, or maybe I'm just not paying attention to it. Uh, what happened on January 6th is horrific. But in my world of digital media right now, we feel that you know we call it out, we have a conversation, we talked about it, we've had people scream and yell at each other, disagreed, but then I will come in and, and talk to people and keep people calm about it. But you know, there's right and wrong. And yes, they they some some news channel did inflate a lot the negative side. But you have to look about at what happened before Black Lives Matter, how bad it was. You know, I, this this my best friend, he's, he's he's back and he tells me, you know what? My crime to America is being black. And I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe you say that. And he goes, No, you and then he tells me, and I'm like, You're right. I know, I know. I feel I it, it breaks my heart for you. And then when this happened, I would you know, and we have more open conversation. We talk about it. We host Twitter spaces about it. And we're like to the point where we're at in, in Twitter spaces with all my friends. We look at, we have conversation on different things. We don't look at like, oh, you're from, you're this color. or You're from that part of the, you know, we don't, we don't look at, oh, you're poor. You're like, you know, somebody say, oh, I was raised poor, but you know, this is where I'm at or I'm, so we lift each other up. We help each other. I'm, I'm co-hosting all day long. Most of the time helping people who are handicapped that don't that are disabled, that don't have access. So I'm helping them. So again, you know, the, the stories that we see today um, in 2020 and beginning in 2021 has changed so much. And I think Black Lives Matter is an incredible movement and I think it should continue on. And what has happened January 6th is it's just horrific. But I, I th- and, and that's where the, the education comes into place. The school's responsibility to talk and to be educated I mean, I've learned so much stuff that has happened in the Black history that I didn't even know about. And I thought I was educated. So again, you know, the movement of Black Lives Matter brought stories that you would never, ever know about. And people talking about it online and sharing and giving facts and, and talking about, and then they're changing. They're changing some of the, the, the history and what we're being taught in school, you know, and I think that's the key. We need to continue having that conversation.
2: Yeah, that's no question. You know, I think part of part of the challenge um, is weighing that segmentation of coverage, depending on where you're watching. And so, um, you know, from from the what I think is the fastball straight down the middle that is most journalism. Um, January sixth was a travesty and an insurrection, and uh, and I feel I feel like collectively, that is how it's been covered from from journalists. And so the challenge is, is when you get politically based, um, coverage, uh, that pull you in another direction, it's not about what happened. It's about the reflection of what it may mean politically. And so that's where, you know, it, it's hard because you see some coverage of th- situations like that and you wonder how can someone dismiss this as no big deal, but then you realize I can't necessarily control what another network does. And there's really no, um, and probably never will be the sort of uh, uh, system in place that should tell someone how to cover something. The question is, how can you make sure you're verifying and telling people exactly what happened? Um, You know, and so I I hear that frustration uh, because you certainly see um, how some people are cast, uh, you know, in in mostly peaceful marches. And then certainly you feel like, hey, that's not, that's not the coverage that we're getting on some of these other instances. for me, I, I I can control one. I can control to a degree um, how we are covering it and I know how we covered it, you know? And so at the end of the day, it, it's gotta be on each individual who is in that sort of public space, that storytelling space to serve up the facts, right. you, know? Um, you know? How Harry history will dictate it uh, remains to be seen. You know, I think about, um, you know, my greater memory in certain in terms of last year in the Black Lives Matter protests after George Floyd's death, um, uh, you know, certainly the overwhelming feeling um, nationally that that was awful and can't happen again. Now, a lot of the Black community have been saying, this is a more visible example of what in many ways people have been living within shadows for a long time. It might not be a knee on the neck to death for eight minutes, but um, there are all sorts of ways that you can feel marginalized uh, that aren't don't become these massive and public displays uh, rallying behind what you believe. Um, you know, I think back to I would read this um, when I was you know walking through all that and covering all that is that uh, you know Martin Luther King Jr.'s approval disapproval rating in the the months and year he was assassinated I think was at seventy five percent nationally was his disapproval rating, which is hard to conceptualize or imagine now considering, you know, he is, you know, a leader, a hero, a central part of Black history that's taught in American schools, right? I mean, if you learn nothing else about Black history in American schools, you learn about Martin Luther King, Um, you know, and to know that at the time that he was killed, most of the country didn't like him. Um, And that's just, those are the facts. And so, I think it takes time and it takes movement. And it hurts and is frustrating to be in that space where you can't have everybody see it the way you see it sometimes, even though you know what the facts are. Uh, and that's just the unfortunate, you know, you don't want to minimalize it, uh, because you want to push for change, and you want to push for progress, and you want to push people to have a greater understanding of all experiences. Um, but sometimes that's sort of the unfortunate byproduct of humanity, right, is that you can't always get people where you need them to go uh, as quickly as you want them to be there you just got to control as much of the truth as you can um, individually and share your experiences. And I think people will move around those experiences. I think people are much more receptive now. I've seen a lot more um, and had a lot more conversations with people over the course of the last couple of years. I've seen more Black Lives Matter flags uh, or rainbow flags in neighborhoods and in in situations that I didn't expect to see them than a couple of years ago. And so all that um, are steps in the right direction. It's never going to be as fast as I think a lot of people hope.
0: Uh, guys, I could talk to you all on these issues yeah. for hours. Uh, it's been very informative. You know, can we talk? Uh, was born out of the social movements of last spring, spring twenty, uh, after George Floyd's death. Uh, I think, uh, as you just touched upon, and 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 Tanya, you touched upon it with your your various um, uh, social audio uh, comments is a conversation. It's amazing the strength of a conversation. Uh, A transparent, honest conversation. I have friends that have been friends of mine for decades that when we sat down on panels under Can We Talk banner and talked about perspectives of why this wasn't new, why this has been around since I've been a little kid growing up in Fort Lauderdale uh why all of these issues and they say you know what i never saw it i i, I have blinders on i didn't see that perspective you're right yeah. but that's a that's a genuine conversation so um you both are impacting that conversation uh and 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 lifting up the uh level of that dialogue i know eric you're on early in the morning what time do you get started on on the morning <laughs> We go on at 4 30 in the morning. 4 30 in the morning. So you go from yes. 4 30 to 10? 4 30 to 10. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. Um <laughs> uh, and and Tanya, you you told us you're you're engaged 12 hours or so uh oh, on tw- on Twitter a, a day. So
1: yeah, um I'm I'm very much involved in Africa now also. Um there's a huge movement there. I i try to empower them i said your continent is the continent everybody wants to go to because you have the youngest people your average age is 15.2 i think i i, I found this whole video with me the whole statistics about it and, and i said japan you might see it, it's so powerful but they have mostly elderly people and they need right. young people so i've been like we're part of this movement where we're pushing a lot of people in africa and i made some incredible friends so in the morning, I'm with uh, my friends in India. I'm, 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 I'm local. I, I, I study the local news. I, I listen it up, but I'm global through That's social awesome.
0: media. So. Well, guys, thank you all so much for your time. Thank you for your, your 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 input. This is so interesting. I'm sure that the listeners of Can We Talk 360 uh, will be elevated in their understanding and, and perceptions and intentionalities that we need uh, in this space of media. And, and understanding what we're receiving as, as as news and information. So again, thank you so much for your time.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Thanks Have for a having time. us. The law firm of Halitzer, Pettus & Schwamm is a
0: proud sponsor of the Can We Talk 360 podcast. Our firm handles medical malpractice, wrongful death, catastrophic personal injury litigation, and workers' compensation matters. We pride ourselves in being advocates for justice, on behalf of those who have been seriously injured. For decades, we've taken the lead in making your case our priority. It's who we are. It's who we'll always be. Hallitzer-Pettison Schwamm. Serious injuries. Proven results. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Can We Talk 360? I sincerely hope that you are inspired to seize this moment in time and take real action towards change. Remember, all change begins with a conversation. Be sure to tune in every month for more fascinating discussions and motivational food for the soul. Please share with your friends, family, and colleagues. Follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at CanWeTalk360 and visit us on the web at www.CanWeTalk360.com.